I'm Robin Marshall, and I have some very interesting facts on divorce. Things you may never have known. Firstly, according to a study conducted on American men and women falling between the ages of 15 and 44, and these are couples who started to live together before they got married, these people are more vulnerable to divorce. Well, first of all, who would get married at the age of 15 unless they had to? And in today's day and age, there is no such thing as having to anymore. But if you think about it, it's like that old saying, why buy the cow if you can have the milk for free? So you live together for two, three, four years. You get to know each other's bad habits. You live with that. But then by the time years five, six, and seven come around, who needs it? You can start over fresh Enjoy that brand new feeling of intimacy and learning somebody all over again. So number one makes absolute sense to me. Now, I lived with my husband before I married him for a good three years. And I can't necessarily say that's the reason we got divorced. But we were together three years more than we should have been. (laughs) There is some logic. Next, according to the U.S. Census Bureau, the first marriages that end in divorce have an average lifespan of eight years. And again, this makes sense. Because normally when you get married, within the first few years, you have kids, and you both have your jobs, and you're devoted to your jobs and your children, and you lose sight of each other. And it becomes very obvious by year five and six And if neither one makes the effort to fix what's going on by the year seven or eight, you're done. Unless you're one of those diehards that decides to hold on just because it's easier. I hate to keep bringing up the same thing, but really, we're in a century where we can start over. We don't have to drag our partners through the mud or the muck. If you can't work it out, let each other go. Start again. Look, the Census Bureau is saying eight years is the average first marriage. It's not just me. Don't shoot the messenger. Thirdly, guess where the divorce rates are lower in comparison to all other countries? India. I think that's because they're so family-oriented. Now, this is me, an outsider looking in. So whatever I say right now could be completely wrong. It's just my opinion. And I am not being racist. I am the least racist person you'll ever meet in your life. But if you think about it, when people from India come into this country, they bring their whole family. They all work together. So how in the world do they ever have time to divorce or a place to go to get away from their potential ex? They've got 55 children working in the same store together with them, and most often, it's successful. Who's going to divorce themselves from that? All right, I've said my piece. Next, people in second marriages are less likely to get divorced because of the experience they gained from the first failed marriage. That makes sense. Until you reach that point of no return, where you realize the first marriage held all kinds of problems. But this second marriage might have a separate set of problems that you just didn't see coming. So now it's up to you to either combine both failed relationships and try and fix everything that was inside of each of them to be good again with your second partner. Or 
you wash your hands of the whole situation and say, that's it, I'm done. Until you might be foolish enough to get married for the third time. (laughs) And I'm not calling you a fool. It happens to the best of us. Please. Moving on. The Philippines is the only country where divorces are illegal other than the Vatican City. Like I knew that. I can't believe there's any place in the world that would consider divorce to be illegal. Talk about being trapped. You need to know that in case you ever marry somebody from the Philippines. Don't get married there. And you heard it here first. According to a survey in the UK, 50% of divorcees regret their decision to divorce. Why? There's a reason why your windshield is the bigger piece of glass in your car than the rearview mirror. It gives you plenty of more space to look ahead instead of looking in that tiny mirror to see what you've done in the past. Move on, my friend. Just a sidebar, but do you remember in 2012 there was an Italian bride that asked for a divorce after her husband brought his mother on the honeymoon? (laughs) I would have done the same. No kidding. Unless she was sick and he just didn't have anybody to leave her with. But come on, that is a sign and a half. Okay, so according to the research at University of Alberta, children whose parents have divorced are more likely to drop out of school. And you cannot blame that on the kids. Now, that's got to be the parents that are so wrapped up in each other and themselves trying to figure a way out and get out and get away from each other that they just don't take the time that's necessary to make sure their children are okay. That's just a sin. That's a crime. In the United States, on average, women take 3.1 years to remarry after a divorce. Men, on the other hand, take more time to move on and get remarried after 3.3 years. The fact is, we're all looking to get remarried. Even though we raise our hands in the air and say, Not me. Never again. I'm done. It's been enough. She cleaned me out. He wore me to the bones. We still want that relationship, that closeness, but we just want it to be with the right person. It's just so hard to find that right person. Now, we have marriages where women are two or more years older than their husbands. They are 53% more likely to break up than when husbands are three or more years older or a year younger than their wives. What those two years difference makes, I'm not really sure. This almost sounds like a word problem. From when I was in elementary school, Johnny drove his bike eight miles this way, Peter walked three miles that way, who got to the store first? I can't deal with these mathematics. They make no sense to me. It's my ADD kicking in. If he's three years older than her or she's four years younger than him and he's, I forget it. I don't even know why I brought this up. But I mean, speaking from personal experience, I prefer to be with a man who is older than me. I think it's an old fashioned thing and I don't know how to get rid of it. Yes, I enjoy the company of a younger man, but I don't see myself getting serious with somebody younger than me. It's almost like He's lived longer, so he must know more. Or maybe it's just that I know that odds are he'll die before me. (laughs) It's a little warped. 
and I'm still trying to figure that one out. I'll let you know when I get there. According to some researchers, men are eight times more likely to commit suicide after a divorce. Eight times! Their chances of suffering from depression and heart attacks also are doubled. You see, they are so sensitive, but they just don't let us know. And by holding all of that in, that's what causes this ultimate outcome. How upsetting is that to hear? It doesn't mean you have to coddle your husband and pray to God he's not going to kill himself when things don't go right between the two of you. It's just inside skinny between you and me. Did you know that in the United States, two-thirds of the divorce cases are filed by women? Now, 95% of all purchases in the United States are made by women, so this does not come as a shock. Even the power washer that cleans your house or the person who's going to install your pool, all of these decisions are made by the woman of the house. She may talk to her husband and say, hey, this guy said this and that guy wants that. And they may converse back and forth, but ultimately she holds the purse strings for everything. And as just proven, including divorce. Now, this is funny. In Italy, nearly half of all divorce proceedings mention the social networking app WhatsApp which means somebody is talking to somebody that they're not supposed to be talking to and they get caught. I'm surprised more Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram weren't mentioned. Research shows that if only one of the partners smokes, a divorce is 75 to 91% more likely. Think about it. How many times can you ask somebody not to smoke in the same room as you? It gets old so quickly. And who can have sex with somebody that smells like an ashtray? Not me, said the ex-smoker. I haven't smoked in 30 years. But I don't know how my boyfriends put up with it. I really don't. And you really ought to think about that. If you're smoking, think about quitting. Because you don't even know me. And I'm telling you, you don't smell good. Don't take it personally. I'm speaking generically. There isn't one smoker out there that opens their mouth and smells good, or doesn't have that smell in their hair or in their clothes. It's disgusting. This is just a funny fact. In 2011, a 99-year-old Italian man divorced his wife of 60 years after he found out that his 96-year-old wife had had an affair in the 40s. That my friend, is called holding a grudge. I can't even imagine being that woman, the wife. How she stayed married to him for that long is beyond me. This is something you need to remember, especially when it comes to buying a gift for the happy couple. Couples who have a lavish wedding are more vulnerable to divorce. And that's probably because they feel so guilty for taking all the money from their parents to spend to have this grand affair and their friends that spend a huge amount of money on their gifts. How do you resolve that in your head when you know what the divorce rate is? It's craziness. I'd ask somebody to bring me a plant. (laughs) No kidding. Okay, check this out. A study found that dancers and choreographers have the highest divorce rates bartenders come next, and following closely behind are massage therapists. 
I mean, the massage therapist, there's a lot of touchy-feely going on, and I guess being the wife or husband of a massage therapist is you have to have some trust. I mean, it's right up there with being a gynecologist. Well, not really, but you know, you got to have faith. I mean, can you imagine being married to a urologist? I, I, you might as well be a mortician. There's just something about those kinds of jobs. I could never marry somebody that did those things. Now, on the other hand, within that same study, salespeople, nuclear engineers, optometrists, clergy, and podiatrists have the lowest rate of divorce. Well, firstly, who wants to fool around with somebody that takes care of somebody else's feet? Right? This is a given. Couples who argue over matters of finance are more likely to get divorced. Well, come on. Back in the recession, half the world got divorced. Money puts a tremendous amount of pressure on a couple to stay together and make it work. We seem to point fingers at each other when it doesn't. That's the one thing I regret. Maybe I shouldn't say regret. I wonder about because that played a huge part in my divorce. The fact that I couldn't look at my husband and understand why he couldn't keep us afloat. I did. I worked. I did anything I could. But I think what happens to some people is they freeze. They, they become so frightened of the fact that their whole world just changed. They lost the only job or career they've been comfortable with, and they don't know how to start over. So give yourselves a break if this should ever happen to you. Stop, think, look around you, and breathe. Look back into your history. Remember the things you used to be able to do? You still might be able to do them again. One door closes, another one can open. I would love to see the financial end of things not be the reason for people getting divorced. This should make you happy if you divorce your husband. According to a researcher at The Ohio State University, men are likely to gain weight after their divorce. So you see, he won't be as attractive to the next woman. Or it's just going to take him a little harder to get the next woman's attention. The smart thing for you to do is just to keep yourself in shape. Before divorce, during divorce, after the divorce, so you can hit the ground running. And finally, another one that makes perfect sense, a study in Sweden, and I bet you could double this study in New York City. They found that people who spend more than 45 minutes commuting are more likely to divorce. By the time you get to work, you're aggravated. By the time you get home, you're aggravated. Who do you take it out on? Your spouse, hopefully not your children. But you're wasting almost two hours a day in your car doing nothing. No productivity at all. Imagine those that would be polled with this question in New York. It used to take me an hour and a half just to get into the city, and then I would walk 50 blocks to get to my radio station. And I would do the same thing on the way home. So that's a good three to four hours a day. I mean, think about it. After you get out of that car or off that public transportation, and you've finally calmed yourself down from this day, 
this jam-packed day of work and commuting, you walk into your house where your spouse is sitting there waiting for you with some kind of emergency or some kind of feeling of rejection because that person's been left alone to deal with all the household chores. How do you combat that? You can't. I remember when I first took this job here in Dallas, Texas, I hired a realtor and said, I want to be within walking distance to my building. And for the first two years, that is exactly what happened. I was 15 minutes away walking and I was single. (laughs) But the commute will absolutely kill a marriage unless you're smart enough to stop and think about it and realize what it's doing to the two of you. So there you have it, a bunch of information on divorce. Maybe there's something in there, some little tidbit that might stop you from divorcing your spouse. Maybe there's something in there that'll make you understand a little bit more as to why things are a bit rocky. Either way, we only have one life. And I know you've heard me say it many times before, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart. If you've been married for 20, 25 years and one of you refuses to change to make it better, there is no reason for you to stay. It's time to call it quits. Write everything down. Make a list of the things that don't work. Make a list of the things that do work. Compare the list. Show it to your partner. Ask them to add to the list. And if you still can't do it, say goodbye. There's nothing wrong with it. It's not as scary as you're thinking in your head. Until next time, thank you so much for listening. And in just about a minute, I want to talk to you about last rites. What are the last things you would think about if you were told you were on borrowed time? It's Robin Marshall, America's number one sugar mom. Did you ever think about your own mortality? Like, how much have you really accomplished in this lifetime? How much do you still feel the need to accrue? Grow, water, nourish. Have you done the right job by your children, your pets? your husband, your parents? Is there ever a time in our lives that we feel we've done enough? What happens if one day you go to the doctor and you get some bad news? The doctor says, you've got limited time. You need to get your affairs in order. What would you do first? If it was me, the first thing I would do upon leaving the doctor's office is find an attorney and change my will. Clean it up. Make sure the right people wind up with the right things. Make sure they know I love them. Even though in my head I'm saying I love you, I love you, I love you a hundred thousand times to everybody that I do feel that way about. But... You need to have it in writing so that people can hold on to something that's in your handwriting. 
or something you've typed that you've signed. The second thing I'd do probably, oh, I've been through this before, and I thought about keeping it quiet, and I decided no, because I didn't want to risk that game of telephone where one person says one thing to another, and before you know it, the whole thing turns topsy-turvy, upside down, and I was eaten by a mountain lion in Siberia <laughs> instead of having cancer. So... I don't know this go-round if I would be able to do that again. Be as vocal, you know? I think about it a lot because the kind of cancer that I have doesn't offer a really great success rate for survival. I've done well so far, and I included everybody and anyone that mattered to me in my journey And, you know, it was really nice to know that a lot of women were helped by the things that I wrote and then later recorded as a podcast. Many took their lives a lot more seriously and went to the doctor. That made me feel good. But this time, I just don't know if I'd have it in me to come clean again. My voice is shaking just thinking about it. But I would probably want to make my daughter the executor of my estate. I know how difficult that is. I went through it with both my parents. It's like you have to be a rocket scientist to figure it all out. I would have her ask my rocket scientist to help her through. <laughs> I have one of those, you know. <laughs> Not too many people can say they have a rocket scientist in their back pocket. But the things I really want... I want to be able to see my kids get married. Even though I talk to them and tell them I don't necessarily agree with the institution of marriage, but on the other side of the coin, I want them to get married. I want them to experience what it's like to raise children. But I also want them to believe that there's a possibility that in five or ten years, it may go down the tubes and not to be afraid to walk away from it. Their kids will survive, and so will they and their ex-spouses. What a horrible thing for a mother to teach their children, but I believe it. Can't help it. But so that would be second on my bucket list. First, the will. Then I really dream about seeing my kids happy, content, and safe. I really, really want this business to work. This sugar mom movement that I'm involved with. I am pouring my heart and soul into it. Every spare minute of the day, I give to it because I believe in it so much. Just having a little place for women to go to that need other women. Just to talk to about real life issues that they may be uncomfortable with sharing with their partner. I don't know. Maybe I'm making too big a deal out of it. I just, I feel it in my bones. But when you have ovarian cancer and you have to go every three months to get that checkup, make sure you're still in one piece and going to live through to the next three months, it's hard to bring people with you in the business side of things because ethically, I worry. What if somebody were to invest in what I'm doing? And what if I weren't to make it? It's almost like I feel like I'm recording as many things as I can as quickly as possible 
so that there would be a backup stash for whoever got involved with me so that they could continue on with Sugar Mom without me. Just my thoughts and my voice. That's not morbid, it's practical. And at least in my book it is. I want the people I love to be safe and not to mourn. At least not too long, if I were to disappear. A little bit would make me happy. I just always hope that people, when they remember me, that they'll think kindly of me. Or they'll laugh (laughs) when somebody says something that I did or said. I just, you know, like to make people giggle with silly things or think seriously about deep thoughts. I don't find that there's too much gray inside of me. I think I'm more black and white. I'm an extremist. Hell, I never even knew I was called type A until somebody just recently told me. (laughs) I always thought type A people were people that had to have things in order, like ADD or OCD. And I think maybe I'm just the type A because I'm so scatterbrained and nothing is in order, really, except my thoughts. I would want somebody to take my dog, make sure she'd be okay. That poor little thing, struggling in a shelter. For the life of me, I can't imagine why anybody would put her in a kill shelter. I just, I can't see it. She's so tiny. (laughs) I call her sugar dog. (laughs) I'm hoping my eldest will take her if something should happen to me. What else would I do with my estate planning? Well... I'd want one of my kids to move into this house and just keep it. Try and keep it the way I have it, but add their own little spices to it as well. How do you feel about cremation? I just don't want to be buried. I just don't. I think it's a lot easier to do the cremation route. I did it with both of my parents. They both requested it as well. The first one was tough. Very tough. Holy cow. Like I said, when you are the executor and you are the only child, it's all on you. So when you go through this, there are so many steps and procedures that you have to follow that there's no time to grieve until sometimes years later when you finally can sit down and look back. One thing that I'll never forget when my father died is trying to find a cremation place. What do they call them? Cremators? And I found a man that was willing to help me out because I had no money at the time. I was, you know, financially struggling. And this man met me on the highway in Pittsburgh in an area that I had no idea where I was going to bring me my dad's ashes. We met on the side of the highway, like 20 miles from where my dad's apartment was. And when he handed me the box, it was hot. You know, those memories are the ones that either make or break you. Oh, that was a bad one. But I would still like to go that route. Maybe let me cool off a little bit before my kid takes me. (laughs) I don't want to smell that smell ever again. I don't want my kids to smell that smell. What a story. What a nightmare it was. But (laughs) I don't even know what brought this subject up. I'm going to the doctor again. I guess I'm apprehensive. And I'm sure I'll be fine. But but there's no way of knowing until you get there, get it done, and get the results. Right? It, you almost feel like you're losing your mind while waiting. 
If I can only feel like I'm losing my mind five days every three months, I guess I'm doing okay. Because most people think I've already lost my mind a long time ago. I guess I'm good. I think the moral of my story is every once in a while you should stop and think. If I was told that I have limited time to live, what matters the most? What would I do? What would I fix? And who would I say I love you to? Thank you for listening. It's Robin. Sugar Mom. Westwood One Podcast Production.